Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Somebody give God some praise. Can I get an amen? Can I get a hallelujah? Are you blessed today? Tell the person next to you, I'm blessed. I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm not going to go through all that. I'm just playing. Tell somebody I'm blessed. Come on. I'm excited today. I remember last week I, I told you guys and I said that we would have a special guest. Can I get an amen? We have a very special guest today, but somebody, most of you guys misinterpreted what I was saying. And we don't have a special guest preacher. We just have a special guest today. Amen. Amen. If Daniel or one of the guys could be so kind to bring me a chair, I'm going to need a chair for our special guest, and, and I might need some accessories. Daniel Antonio, could you get me the accessories? Give me my accessory. Amen. How many of you guys are excited to have somebody special in the church? You're excited to have somebody special in the church. We're going to need this. Put that right there. We're going to put that right there. We're going to need that. In the history of our church, we've had many great people come through our lives. Amen. And um, actually, I have a picture of my special guest. Can, I, can you put that picture up? My special guest. Could you please come to the front? Come on, stand up for your special guest. Woo! For those of you who don't know who this is, this is our special guest. His name is Daniel Rodriguez, Sr. And as we, we, we don't do the greatest job sometimes of identifying who the people are in our church. And Daniel was part of one of our two ministry parts, one of our two leadership teams. He is what we call a core leader. He's one of the main people that um, answered to me in the church. He's one of my main helpers. He, he's, he does, he's the head of the men's ministry. All the maintenance in the church he does. Everything that you see built around you, he did. And today we're going to take a moment out of the year to honor him. He deserves it after so many years of hard work. Also, I want to just, Deanna, if you could stand up. Deanna is the, um, the youth minister of the church, for those of you who don't know. As Pastor Philip told her, she also, she also plays the role of the pastor's wife. And anybody who gets out of line, she takes care of it for me. But she's not my wife. She's my sister. There's none of that stuff going on here. I'm Puerto Rican. <laughs> I'm not from Alabama. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Rosa, if you can stand up. Rosa is the um, children's ministry leader. Amen. And she's done a fantastic job of um, growing the children's ministry. She's also the, um, one of the coordinators for the church. Her and Lori are a dynamic duo to get anything done. She does the decorating for the church. All the centerpieces for every event we've ever had in the history of our church has come from Rosa. Amen. We also have Yvonne. Yvonne, if you can stand up, she's the head of the women's ministry. And Yvonne is also part of the praise and worship team. And she's been here for God who knows how many years. Carmen, who is not here, she's the old battle axe that sits in front. She looks like Joyce Myers. She, um, she reads the Bible. She's like a walking, living concordance. She's, a, she's like a, a Jeopardy prize winning to happen, just waiting. She wants to be on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. She probably bankrupt them, Amen. And she is the head financier of the church and one of the teachers of the word. But today, we honor who I call the architect of the church. Amen. When I tell you this man has the heart of a servant, this morning he sent me a text message and said, hey, make sure you warm your car up because there's a lot of ice. So I went outside and I warmed my car up. And about five to ten minutes later, I look outside because I hear somebody beating on my car and he's chipping the ice away. What, what a great uncle. Did I happen to mention he's my uncle? Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter... Actually, I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter 2, chapter 3, verse 2 and 4. And you need this already, man. Chapter 2. <laughs> chapter, <laughs> Hebrews chapter 3, verses 2 and 4. 
And the word of God says, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Talking about Jesus. Inasmuch as he who hath built the house hath more honor than the house itself. He who built the house should be honored above that of the house. A great church we have. GVA is a great budding ministry. Something that is very taking place in this great, great moments in our church. But the Bible says that he who built this house should be honored greater than the house itself. I give you Daniel Rodriguez. (laughs) Amen. I remember, you know, it's funny that we're so close now. I remember when I was a kid, I used to think you were a horrible person. Water break, hold on. And um, I was speaking to someone just the other day, and they explained to me how you felt. And what happened was that every day after school, almost every day, every day my parents wanted to go out and do the ministry stuff, every time something happened, and I would always end up at his house. So he would go to work at like four, what, 6 in the morning. You wake up for work. You get up very early for work. He comes home at 3.30, 4 o'clock and sees a bunch of kids in his house. He was never the happiest camper back then. He wasn't saved. Don't worry. And we just had moments with Daniel, as we called them. And I, I was reminiscing yesterday with your sons about things that we've been through with you. And, um, man, we had some good times. I remember the time we were working at Sue's house. And he took he had taken on a project to renovate this lady's house because this man could build anything. I mean, he could do anything. And he was taking on this house, and he decided to, to make good in his profits. And he hired a bunch of us kids, his nephews and and he, he got me, Ruben, Jose, David, Andre, Daniel, Elias. We're all working in this house. And one day, me and David are actually um, in the basement. And we have, I had a saw saw. Who could, why would you give me a saw saw? I was like 12 or 13 maybe. And I'm saw sawing the ceiling. I'm not even looking. I didn't think you know, the electrical wires there. And I blew all the electricity in the house. And I chopped one of the core wires. Wow. Remember we had memories. I remember you had me carry. I was like 13. You had me carry that 80-pound bucket. A sheetrock compound. You can do it. Come on, up the hill. You can do it. Come on, up the hill. <laughs> I weighed about 80 pounds. He had me carrying his bucket, and I was like, we had some moments with him. I remember, I remember in the house, that, the apartment that Rosa actually lives in now, he had me, Ruben, Daniel, uh, Jose was there, David Andre was there, and he had us on a scaffold, and we were sheetrocking with him. And we were all holding the sheetrock while he tried to get the screws in. And it wasn't always a success. And sometimes we're just sitting there, hurry up, hurry up, please, Uncle, hurry up, hurry up. We've had, I remember one time we were watching this show called Deadly Games. And it was on Channel 9, and um, he wanted to watch something different. And we were getting on his nerves as kids. Excuse me, he wanted to watch that show, but we were getting loud, and we wanted to watch something different. There was a bunch of us there. You remember this story? Oh, so what happens is, is he gets mad finally. You guys are a bunch of freaking idiots. He gets up and punches the TV. Now, this is, the, this is not the days of, you know, you know uh, big screen TVs with the nice, soft things. One of those thick, hard TVs. And he punched it. Needless to say, the TV was fine. He was not. He ran to his room to, to, to wrap his wounds or something. He, he got all upset. And I remember we've had just great moments. I remember I used to think you were like the coolest guy ever because you, um, you would jump from house to house on the roof. You would jump from your house to Noberto's house, and he was like a little acrobat. I thought he was like a ninja turtle, and he was like, oh, my God, my uncle jumps from house to house. Needless to say, if I go there today, it's like a three-foot gap that wasn't that great. <laughs> but he made it look so cool, you know, and, and he must have loved when I was a kid because I was really short. I must have made him feel really big, and, and you know, <laughs> he was always a small man, and, and I remember when um, my father always told me the story of um, when they had the collapse of the Lafayette Square. And they had the, the, where the, um, the, the construction there was going, there was collapsed. And a call went out over the broadcast that they needed men in short stature. And needless to say, he ran over there. Wow. <laughs> needless to say, that's, that's the heart that he had. That's the heart that he had to go, and, to, to go help somebody he doesn't even know. To potentially help somebody. I was talking to his sons last night, and apparently I overlooked a story in his life where I guess there was a burning house next door or something of that nature. And he actually ran into the house and saved Ricky's uncle. That was Ricky's uncle that you brought out of that house. This is the heart of a lion right here. This is the man who, 
who has done so much and nobody, you know, ever really seems to say thank you to someone like him. And we, we look behind the, the scenes of a church and we see a beautiful building. We see, you know, that we have a nice sized altar. We have a, a good platform. We have great walls. And we look at things in our life, but we have to understand that someone paid a price. Someone laid down the foundations, and I found a scripture last night. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. Could you give me the international version? I don't like the version you're using here. It's just who thou and does and whos and wombs. Amen. So it says, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who makes the things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. So somebody sitting next to you, you have a purpose before God. Amen. You have a, you have a, you're next to me. You have a purpose. That's so awesome. I never get to say it to anybody because nobody's ever here next to me. But now you have a purpose. For we are God's fellow workers and you are God's field, God's building. And by the grace of God, listen to this. God has given me. I have laid a foundation as an expert builder and someone else is building on it. You have laid a foundation as an expert builder and someone else is building on it. By a show of hands of the people here, mostly family that are here that you know Daniel, has he worked on your house? Has he not done work probably your bathrooms, your kitchen? I think he did your mom's flooring. He, he completely redid my, um, my, my entire upstairs bathroom, ceramic tiles. It was just gorgeous. And I remember when he pulled up the floor, they were going to lay it down the wrong way, and he almost blew a fit. He wanted to get it done right. And he has this thing with, um, with uh, um, Home Improvement. Remember that show Home Improvement with Tim Allen? And he would watch that show faithfully. Needless to say, when he first started working, you know, doing stuff like that, he had accidents like Tim Allen. And I remember things like that. And he would, he, not the worst things, but not as bad. You know, he would do that grunt. You remember that? Do it again. You know how the show has that dumb grunt? He would always do it while he was working, and we would have a good time with him. And I remember, um, I remember that as, as he went through some rough times, let's just say, in his life, and there was parts of his life that not many people saw. And there was parts of his life where he was losing things. He was losing, if I can be so bold and so honest, you were losing your family. You were losing your marriage. You were losing your children. And, and they moved away. And you were, you were in a place where you weren't even comfortable with yourself. You were in a place where, where you had to find something. And, and I found a scripture, and it, and it really spoke to my heart last night. And I'm going to save it for a little while here until I just keep on going here. Amen. I remember when he um, used to live in the church, when he left his, his home and he left his house and he, he let his kids and his wife stay there at the time and he was going through a rough divorce and, and I don't mean to put you out there, but I'm just going to talk about it real quick because it pertains. Somebody say it pertains. It pertains. And I see, I see laid a foundation in the old church and he, and every night I know it's because I would go that he would, he would be deep in prayer and he would read his Bible like nobody I've ever known. And if you ever hear me say that, I used to remember people in this church who would, every time they saw me, want to read a Bible study and do something with me. It was him. Every time I saw this man, hey, let's read the Bible. I was thinking about going to play baseball. <laughs> well, let's read the Bible. I want to play football. But he was always laying a foundation in my life that as a man, as a grown Christian, that I should be reading my Bible every day, that I should be getting in the Word. And it was an encouragement. It was an encouragement. I remember when, when things turned out to get rough and I found myself 11 years old, the praise and worship leader. I remember that. And as we left the old building and we got kicked out of that building, I remember that every morning... So it would be easier for us, and so you can, so we wouldn't have to hear people yelling at us on a Sunday morning. You opened up your own apartment, your own house, and what you did was you had breakfast with the praise and worship team. And we would go to his house, and I would bring my little piano, and I would take it to his house, and he would cook me breakfast. He would cook breakfast for Jessica and for Yvonne, and we would have a good time talking and practicing and just praying. That was the heart that he had. He opened his life up. I have to point this out. How ironic is it that he's wearing the same exact outfit from the picture? Could you bring that picture back up? He walks into church today. I was like, darn. <laughs> that was Ruben's wedding. <laughs> I, just, I just thought it was ironic. Like, oh, goodness gracious. He's wearing the same, same thing. Like, oh, my goodness. Even the gold chain. Oh, praise him. <laughs> Amen. You were a little more shaved there, but it's all right. I remember as the <laughs> too busy scraping ice. Amen. God bless you. I remember that as 
we, when we lost that building, that when the, when the city was the, the, the night previous to the, to the eviction, I remember it was me, you, and my father. And I'm not sure who else was there. I know another one of the young kids was there. I know it was me, you, my father, and somebody else. And um, they boarded up the church. <laughs> you boarded up the church. I don't know what he did, but they could not get in for hours the next day. They were actually under the impression that we had somebody in the building holding them off. That was what Russell Linscroft, the city attorney, told my father. They thought somebody was in the building. What they didn't know was that he had just boarded it up and barricaded it so well and then jumped out of the second story window. He made the last stand at the last church. He was the last person out of that building. And I remember he was, my, he was up there. My dad says, you're going to kill yourself. Let me get my car. Jump on top of my car. No, it's okay. I go like this and woo, bam. Remember he landed. He's like, oh. I remember those days. I, I could never forget you as a, as a man who would make the last stand. And I didn't understand as to why God even took the building. I didn't understand why he allowed it to happen. But I understood that I saw a man in my life. I saw an uncle. I saw a Christian, a man of God, who was willing to make a stand for something he believed in. I remember that. It was not long after that that we started the whole Bible studies at your house and you used to, you know, used to get in touch with me, and I remember when I used to, used to go to Louisiana, I would come back, and then we would start doing Bible studies together, and we would hang out a little bit here and there, and then we would start playing video games, and that was, that was forget it. We started playing Wii and stuff like that. We had a good time, and, and the, the, the stories of our life, we had a good time, amen? And I remember when, as, we, as we went through, and we had to start meeting in the house, in my father's household, because for lack of finances and lack of a building, the church dwindled to probably less than 10 to 15 people. People who did not have faith enough to believe God that he would bring us out of a place where we had come to find ourselves. A place of, of God testing us and trying us. But I believe that it was God just bringing forth the faithful in the church. I'd rather be worshiping with 10 or 15 faithful people than a bunch of people who ain't got no faith in God. I'd rather sit next to a real friend than find myself with a bunch of people who talk about me behind my back. I'd rather sit around and I'd rather, you know, play my piano with some real musicians and some people who, who can play well but have no passion for God. And you got to understand that there's places in your life where it's better to find yourself with less. Case in point, every time you get a raise at your job, oh, my God, why are they taking so many taxes out now? First you wanted a raise, now we complain about taxes. Sometimes we might be better with less, Daniel. Amen. I, I seem to remember all these things in your life. I remember as you, as you lived in Marcano's basement, and um, you used to play pool. And it was fun playing pool because we used to like playing pool. He's the one who taught us how to play. And the, the, the bad part about that basement was it was like you, you, you couldn't go anywhere. It was like the pool table was there, and you were on the wall. Like, so we would play pool, and we would hit each other with the sticks, and we used to have a good time. We still do have a good time. This is the man that you see before you, amen? The person who... Who, when we walked into this building, <laughs> remember that day? When we walked into the building, it was me, my father, him, and I believe Eddie Crespo was with us. <laughs> if I can use one word to describe this, it's going to be a compound word, to describe this building. If you could use one word, let me see, what would you say this building looked like when we first got here? You can't say it? I would say it was a crap hole. It, this place was a dump. There was like, there was like, you would have had a heart attack, Jose, because there was asbestos everywhere. This place, it was a mess. There was like two layers of tiles, and we had to scrape each tile off. I remember we got, um, Renata, your son came then, and he was with this big thing, and he was scraping the tiles. We had Jose. I remember Tigger came. You got all your boys to come. We were trying to get this place built up under the instruction of people like Daniel and my father, Amen. You see, as, as my father was the leader, like a, like, like a Moses, so stood before him someone like an Aaron who would build the altar for God. Amen. You see, what Daniel doesn't realize is the importance he holds to the ministry. He's what I refer to as a key to ministry. Someone who, if utilized in the proper way, will open up a door of prosperity for the church. Someone who will open up an avenue and be able to explore a place that we've never been before through someone who has an articulate talent or a specific reason before God or a purpose. 
You have to have, you have to find that place in your life where you become a key for the church. You become a key for ministry in your life. Are you enabling your church to go places? Are you doing things for your life? I don't care if it's talking about church in your life. Are you enabling yourself to be able to prosper in your life? Are you enabling yourself to be able to move forward in your life to build upon that which you already have? And we walked in this building and um, there was just trash, literally trash everywhere. And some of it wasn't like little paper trash. It was like big old trash, like big radiators and old messed up fans and broken desks. And the place had like lights, like two lights lit up in the whole place. And it was just like dingy all over the place. The lights were barely hanging on to the, to, to the post. I'm going to need some batteries in this. The lights were barely hanging on to the post. And we had some, I'm looking, I'm like, oh, this is, this is the devil's a liar. <laughs> this ain't the place for us. God's going to give me a nice building. Then I said, didn't we talk about that? Wasn't it? And my father's like, oh, wow. Yeah. It's got, but uh, Daniel and me are like, no, no. You got to understand, we had just gone through many years of building up the last church. The last church, we had two full, two full kitchens, right? We had a prayer room, maybe the size of one of the children's rooms or better. We had a pastor's office back there. We had a decent sized, um, we had a very decent, give me another mic in the meantime. We had a very decent sized, uh, what you call it, we had a decent sized um, uh, pastor's office in the back. And the sanctuary was great. I remember where the speakers were arranged at. I remember everything about the church in the old place. I remember how, how we had that one little path in between the double doors. And you would run through it and you would try and hide and see if the parents were coming so you can play more. I remember when the church got infested with rats and they locked about three of them in the big room where we had the big hall area on, on the first floor. And I remember when Daniel laid down the wooden floor and painted over with the epoxy. And it was about that time that we had a bunch of rats in that room. There was about three or four of them. You remember this day? You guys, you were there. And what happened was we took and, and they, they locked the kids in there with the rats. It was on purpose. And we took the broom handles and we took the brooms off. And we turned those into spears. <laughs> Me, Jose, Ruben, Daniela, David, Andre, and you were there. My father was there. We were running around there like if we were Spartans or something. Ah, just trying to kill these rats. They had nowhere to go. We blocked it off. I remember David Andre finally got one. He threw it and it, and it, and it hit the rat right by the door. Where the prayer room was at, with the double side of the door at the prayer room, and right by the bathroom, and when blood was everywhere, it was kind of gross. Back then, it was cool. None of the women were there, thank God. And we had such a great church, and I, I, remember, I remember when we, we painted the building, I remember when we laid the rugs down on, on the second floor, where we had the dining hall. The, the, the hall up there was much bigger than this one. We could have fit maybe twice the capacity there. We had, a, we, you can, I think we had events where we fit over 200 people upstairs. We had a, a kid's room on the side, a kid's room back here. We had another room that was just empty there, and then we had another full kitchen. We had two bathrooms downstairs, two full bathrooms upstairs. It was just great. And I can understand his frustration where he's saying, we just built this up. We, we, just, we just did this, and now we, after three years of being in a house, four years being in the house, and now God is going to give me this building where I have to build it up all over again? Where we have to toil more. And you got to understand from his perspective, even today, we're, this is bothering me. Can I just put this right here in the middle? Thank you. Even today as we, I'm sorry. Even today as we were, um, we were, we were moving and Rosa was talking about the kids' rooms. And there was something that needed to be done in the kids' room. And, and basically what it came down to is nobody else could do it. But Daniel. if only we had somebody else like, Daniel. but only Daniel. can get that job done. Amen. So Daniel knew as he walked into this place. Oh, I'm the only one who can do that. I can only, oh, I'm the only one who knows how to frame this. I can, I'm the only one who can put these walls up. Oh, I'm the only one who can do that bathroom there. There wasn't even a floor in the kitchen. It was just, the kitchen was dilapidated, disgusting bathrooms with like 70-year-old poop in there all just scraped on the sides. It was bad. You know how they have stuff in the movies? They, they, they filmed it here. <laughs> I ain't playing. <laughs> Water break. <laughs> and we had a great facility over there. And... I remember the altar, the way it was curvature, and it had the, you came up to it, and it had the different sides, and it had a, a side, a top side, and the back, and that's where we usually put Noah's Ark when we did a play. Remember the play with the ten versions where David Andre stood on the altar, and he was knocking, saying, Lord, Lord, let me in. And instead, he's sitting there saying, give me some oil. And he just looked back, oops. 
I remember watching the, the videos that you have. I believe Rosa has some of the videos of a, the Noah's Ark play and all the different animals we were, and it was quite funny. And I saw the stuff, and I, all the church, and I looked at that church, and I was thinking, you know, wow, that's a great church. And I understand someone like Daniel saying, Felix, I don't think we can do this. This isn't the place that God has for us. And my dad's like, no, we can do this. And we're like, no, we can't. And Eddie's, I don't know what he said, but then it really matter. <laughs> he, he, I wanted to punch him in the face, Eddie, because Eddie brought me to that building in the first place. My, one of my father's friends, he goes, I know a place. And we walk in, in the brick building, parking like a little work. And I didn't think it would be that bad inside. I should have known the guy who brought me in, his car was just like, he was a pack rat, this mad trash in his car. He had a car that was back from like the, like the hippie days, like 1970 van, and it like one of the hippie vans. And he comes up with them, I'm like, no way. You know a building's bad when they let a German shepherd in that was all big and dirty. This, this building was just, I can't describe to you the stench it held. I can't describe to you the, how dilapidated it was. And I could never, ever describe to you the burden he would feel. The weight that was put on his shoulders. You're talking a church of maybe 10 people if they all come. You're talking about people who, 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 who left the church because, because they didn't believe God was going to move and was going to change this place and change our hearts and change our destiny and change our future. And as he, he's sitting there, he's thinking, you know, God, I've been faithful up to this point. I've suffered some really hard times, and now you, you, you want this of me. But nonetheless, he did it. I remember when we were putting up that we were, first it was taking everything down. That was the easy part, knocking stuff down. You could always count on the kids to knock stuff down. And they, they, they brought the kids. It was like, it was like, every day was Sunday school. And they were teaching different stuff like wear your hard hat and your safety gear. I'm just kidding. We had no hard hats and safety gear. Thanks a lot. We were just knocking down walls, giving, giving 15-year-old sledgehammers. We were having a good old time just knocking stuff down and beating stuff up. And we were moving around the church. And when it came time and Daniel was building up the walls. And, and I remember you built the wall here. And you built the wall there. You built that wall there. And I remember you put the, you were doing the wood trimming. I remember all that stuff. I remember when you did the bathrooms. And he was sitting there. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> he was just, he, let me tell you something. Ain't nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Ain't nothing. When, when God made the heavens, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, when God made the heavens and the earth, he said, let there be light. And God saw that the light was good. So he said, let me make it day and night. When he did that, the Bible says God saw it was good. And God, the Bible says that when he made the heavens and the earth, that he saw that it was So he spoke to the earth to bring forth life, and he saw that it was So then he went to the seas and spoke forth that it bring forth life, and he thought that it was He made me, and he thought that it was good. That's what he was thinking. That's he, he's saying, you know what, I'm doing a good job here. I'm good. I remember, um, I remember the day you built the altar. It took you more than a day, of course. You look in Genesis, throughout the book of Genesis, and you see where Noah, Noah found the promise of God in his life. And God said he would never, ever destroy the earth with water again. So Noah built an altar to represent a covenant before God. You look where, where God gave Abraham the promise of giving him the, the promised land, Israel. He built an altar there as a story that no one would ever forget that he built this altar here so that he would, he would receive the land which God told him, he, God would promise him. And the Bible says that any place that he put his foot that he would conquer, that shall be his. But yet every place he put his foot, he built an altar. When he rescued Lot, he built an altar. You see, when Isaac saw the angels going up and down from the ladder in a dream, he saw that God was in his life, he built an altar. You see, when Jacob went before and he wrestled the man, and the man dislocated his hip, and he, the man happened to be Jesus, and he was wrestling the, the angel of God, and he happened to see that it was God that he was messing with, he built an altar there at the place to remember it. Anybody been to this altar before? Anybody ever poured out your heart at this altar before? And you see, as Moses, when he crossed the Red Sea and he got by successfully, somebody guessed that he built an altar. You see, when Gideon went and God told Gideon that he was a mighty warrior, and although Gideon felt like a loser bum because he was hiding in the cave trying to get some food, when God came to him, he built an altar. And you see, when Joshua crossed the Jordan River on both sides, he built an altar to, ever, to always remember where God has brought him from, where God has done with him. 
You see, building an altar is a sign of believing in God. You see, because Moses led the people, but Aaron interceded for the people. Aaron was the one who would build the altars, the places of worship. God would tell him what to do. God would tell my father what to do. And then my father would give the orders to Daniel, and Daniel would do it. You see, as many of you know, all along this wall where the altar's at, behind this paint is the petitions of this entire church. Things that we went to God for, and we said, these are the things that we feel are the desires of God in our life. There's many, many people's hearts poured out all over these walls. It's up to someone like Daniel who built the altar around it. So that every time we pray that we're lifting up the petitions that we've put before God. That we, that we realize that every time that, that every moment that he spent here, that the, all the sweat he did. And I remember he was back here. And if you ever went under this, this is a little trap door here. And usually... I went under there once, but I ain't going to do it again because I almost got stuck. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> usually we send somebody of his stature, as I'll say. And uh, as Elias is, sta- Elias is usually the, the, uh, the gopher that goes in through there. And, and it's a very intricate support system down there. You could dance on this thing all day. It ain't going nowhere. I mean, Daddy used to jump on this, and it wasn't going nowhere. I remember when, when we had a preacher here. He had about 60 people on the altar dancing. It ain't going nowhere. There was a good foundation built upon it. You see, it says, by the grace of God, I've built a foundation. By the grace of God, he's built a foundation with his expertise, the Bible says. With the knowledge that you took from all your life, with the knowledge that he had for everything he gained, he built this altar. I remember when you built the altar, you were standing right about here. And you had your nail gun and you were shooting away. And I came up and you just made like an army man pose and you were pumping your guns out, talking about how great you were. And he had this thing back then. He had this, this charisma about him where you couldn't tell him his work wasn't good. Because it, it, it was good. Still is. Still is. This guy does some great work. And I... As the, remember when we did the kitchen and uh, all the cabinets you guys had to put in there. In the kitchen, where the kitchen's at now, we're actually where the dilapidated bathrooms were. And we tore out all that and we gutted it. We had to put a new floor down there, right? There was like a huge hole in the floor looking right down to the basement. The floor was sunken in like there was no real support on the floor. And he had to actually put back the foundation of the kitchen back into the floor. He had to lie down plywood on top of it. He had a lot to do. You and Dad and Angela put the cabinets up. I remember you guys put the bathrooms in. I, everything we've done, even after Dad died, you built the wall that, that separates the, 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 the eating area now. You, you built the children's rooms. All these things he did, and you got to understand, even the doorways that he put in, it was, a, it was a doorway, an entryway of opportunity for your life. You ever walk through the church doors and just feel better? Like you understand that God's going to reach out to your life today? You understand that God's going to touch your life today? It took someone like him to build it. The, the, the place of these, these doors are a sign of dedication in your life where you walk through every Sunday because you've dedicated it to God. It's a, it's a doorway of, of perspective and change in your life. Optimism to look out in your life and say, there's a better way, there's hope for my life. These doors, these entrances, these, these things that swing open and close, although they seem so minuscule in the hands of a craftsman and an architect like him, it's a place of opportunity and refuge for the lost. There's a, there's a scripture, there's a scripture, it's pretty funny, in Proverbs where, where, where Solomon talks about the woman of wisdom builds her temple with seven columns. And I came last night, and there's a column right there, and, and that wall is a column right there. And throughout our side of the building, there's seven columns. And it speaks about how these seven columns are the, are the word of God in our life and how they should ground our life. And it also speaks about how, how the person who builds it goes out and says, come, because I've Made a place of refuge for you, a place where you can find food at, a place where you can find sustenance. When you walk to doors of, like the ones we have here, you have to realize that it's a point of no return in my life. I reached my point of difference at that door. The point where I realized my life was just different. I could never go back to the old person I was. I could, I could never live the old life I lived because I realized I had reached my point of difference because these doors... Although you put them in wrong according to state regulations a couple weeks ago, we had to flip them around. Besides that, we didn't know that church doors had to swing out that way in case of an emergency. 
Like if people won't be rushing to get in the church. That's why we did it like that. But the city, the city made us change it, but whatever. <laughs> At this altar that we've all been to, this altar that we found our refuge in, when, you, when you, life gets at its toughest. You can always know somebody's going through something when on a Monday night they're at prayer and they never were at the ones, the one of the ones that go to the altar and they run to the altar. Listen, let me tell you something. You've done them a favor. Anybody ever sat home one day, you were depressed and you knew those prayers and you said, if I can just get to that altar? And when I go to church, I'm going to cry out to God like I never cried out before. I'm really going to set this one straight. I'm going to go before God. We're able to do it because of the dedication of someone like Daniel. We're able to do it because he set aside his life for God. Amen. A place of healing at this altar. A place where God heals physical and, 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 and emotional healings. And, and we, we wonder why sometimes that we come to church and we leave and we just feel so much better because God has healed your heart. Amen. Amen. A place of forgiveness. A place where so many of us for our messed up life that we've been able to come to this altar and say, thank you, God. Amen. Say, thank you, God, because, you know, I have a, a hope for my life. I have a, a place where I can go to and I have a, I have a house and a, you built a house of worship and prayer for all people of all nations, of all creeds. Amen. Understand that he's done so much more than he actually realizes he's done. If your life has been impacted by this church you owe it to someone like him. I just preach here. That's all. I am the pastor, but, but you see, there's people, and him and Carmen are my pillars in the church. Amen. They're the people who hold, who hold the same level of authority in my organization. They're the people who, who can make a decision, and I won't even question it. They're the people that when I need the advice, I go to them. They're the elders of the church, and although they're not that old, they are the elders of this church. How old are you? Your birthday's in a couple weeks, right? You're going to be 50? No. 49? 48? Kicking the bucket soon, man. You're getting old, man. (laughs) Amen. But if you're so young, go to the top of your roof and jump the building again. (laughs) But you know... He's done more than he, he actually thinks he's done. And I remember when you were going through that rough time in your life, I, I remember it was amplified by the things that were done in the church to you. It was amplified because, if I can be so honest, people in the church left because he was here. People left the church because they didn't want to be in the same church as this man. And I opened my Bible. I'm going to keep it closed. I'm going to hold it right here before you. And I opened it. And I saw this. This is my father's picture at at his funeral. And it's Psalms chapter 118, verse 24. And it wasn't verse 24 that intrigued me. It was verse 22. I want to show you how close you were to my father's heart. You never even knew it. Psalms chapter 118, verse 22 says, The stone... The builders, the builders being defined as the leadership of the church, the people who rejected you, the people who said, I don't want to be a part of this church because it wasn't just regular people who left. It was leadership. Can I talk about it? The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. You see, a capstone is something that is, the, is like the prize, the crown jewel of a building. It's the best part of a building, the last part of the building put together. It's, the found, it's not even the foundation. It's the part that everyone sees. The glory that's given to that building is because of that stone. If you look at the Empire State Building, it'd be that piece on top. If you look at the, the Statue of Liberty, it'd be that, that torch, the, cl- the climactic point of that building. It says the, the stone. The builders rejected has now become the capstone. And for this, my father says, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Every day I go to dad's grave and when I I go there, I see that verse. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I want you to put that verse in your life, Daniel. That you might have been rejected at one point, but this house, in this day, in this time, we thank you. That we honor someone who had 
the goal that someone who had the had the, the tenacity to go forward and live a life as he did to build the things he's done. I remember one by one as your kids began to return home back to you. <laughs> those were fun times. and You went through some rough times with those kids. They're okay now, for the most part. Good, good, turned out pretty good kids, right? Oh, oh somebody said, oh. Got all mushy on it. You need another one here. <laughs> you see, in Dad's cell phone, you were saved as my father had this thing. He would put ICE, ICE, in case of emergency. And he would define who you were in his life. And he would put in case of emergency, this is Diana, my daughter. In case of emergency, this is Reuben, my son. In case of emergency, this is Awilda, my wife. And in case of emergency, this is Daniel, my best friend. And I remember the day Dad died, and I remember you took me to the back. And when I, when I couldn't take in, I finally cried after, so, after the long drive back from uh, Stanford. And you took me to the back, and you said, we'll do this together. I'm here for you. Don't worry. I'm not, I'm not going to go anywhere. And I want to tell you that I know that when dad died that you had a sense of you could have done more. I remember I was here praying that night and I, I was more worried about you than I was about myself because I thought to myself, I saw it in your eyes that you had such a deep sense of guilt. I mean, if I'm lying, you can correct me, but he had such a deep sense of guilt and many of the leadership had the same thought, but it was so heavy in your heart because you knew he looked for you for so much. He looked at you for so much in the church, within the church, and, and he had this deepest sense of guilt, but... Your work is not done. As a general calls on his finest soldiers, so this church calls on him again for ministry. As the, as the organization moves forward and as we grow, that you will be the stone that is our capstone. That we will never be a church that we would never ever forget what you've done here. That you built, an, uh, you built a foundation. I love that scripture, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and it's in verse 10 where it says, With my expertise, I've built a foundation that they build upon. We're building upon the foundation he's put in this place. We're building upon the altar you've built. We're building upon the church that you've built. It's not long before we move from this church. We, shall, we will soon outgrow the church, that's for sure. But without the place, without the building that he's built to attract it, we couldn't build the foundation of a group of people who are undivided for Christ, who are passionate about God, to be able to build down to a greater ministry. I know when he walks around during service time, he doesn't identify himself as, as probably the second person in leadership in the church. Him and Carmen are neck and neck for the people who are up there in the church. He doesn't identify himself as that because he's a very humble man. He's a very quiet man most of the time. Most of the time. But I want to let you know who exactly he is so you can hold that level of respect when you see him. You, he is the one who put this all together. I think it's very fitting that we just take at least one day to honor him. That we take at least one day to say, we, 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 don't, we don't overlook your sacrifice. We don't overlook the things you do. And when, when it, was, it was so... It was the perfect day this morning when you came to do my windshield and you cleaned off. He really came and cleaned off my car. I don't know why you came. He just, he, last night, about 1130 at night, Elias, his, father, his son, his youngest son, has the same exact heart as him. And he, he comes to my house. It's the middle of the snowstorm. It's all crazy outside. And we were watching some TV, me and Daniel, and Elias comes in and he's all, he just came from Stanford, just came from work. He's all bundled up looking like an Eskimo. And he comes into the house and and he, um, he gave us some stuff, and he's just standing there, and he starts going outside. I'm like, where are you going? I'm going to go shovel your sidewalk. Praise the Lord. <laughs> You're talking about people who know how to take care of somebody. I said, why are you doing it? He never answered me. He, he, he didn't even know why he was doing it. And even this morning, as I walked out, I looked outside, and I was, I was just ironing my shirt, and I hear that bang, and I'm looking outside, I'm like, Wow. This is the perfect day to honor him because he's sitting there cleaning my windshield. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. There's no greater sacrifice that you can make for your church than to, whether it's a spiritual or a physical, but to build something where they can build upon. One thing I always tell leadership, and I, I really like to, to, to implore the leadership to, to lead, to be, be the example. I, 
I learned that from Pastor Philip that it's, so, it's such an important thing in the ministry to teach leadership. So you can have a bunch of people who know how to lead somebody right to this church or to the cross. And as we lead and as we go forth in this church, it's just so important that we find a place where you can own a part of your church. And I, I, would, I would challenge you, and I used to use this, you know, a lot. And I would challenge you that if you leave this church tomorrow and never came back. And not that we didn't notice, but nothing was lacking in the church. Then you're not serving a big enough purpose in your church. There should be a place, an area in the church where we're looking at you, we're depending on you. I know if you left tomorrow, I'd be in some deep stuff. And it wouldn't smell too great either. We'd be in a mess. I remember even when, even, even when the toilet got clogged in the church and you had to sit here waiting for rotor rooter and they had to plumb the line for $900. He called me up, $900. No more paper towels in the sink. No more paper towels in the toilets. But all the sacrifices he made and even the time he took off of work to build the children's room. Even the, even the days where, where he wakes up early on the days he works nights and he comes in here, you know, 8, 9 o'clock in the morning and he's taping and he's doing work. And, he, and it's the things that you don't see that build the church. It's got nothing to do with what we do on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or a Friday night or coming to prayer. But the sacrifices that people like him make behind the scenes. You want to see the real faithful Christians come here on a Tuesday or a Thursday or a Saturday and see who's here working, cleaning, who's practicing, who's doing this, who's, who's praying, who's setting the atmosphere right in the church. And then you see some real Christians. Amen. Find out who's here when they're not supposed to be here. When it's their own leisure time. But they look towards ministry things. That was yesterday... Hold on. Rose, I picked Rose up from the airport, and um, she brought a bag of army stuff, like a bag full. And the thing is, because of the children's ministry, she wants to do the little soldiers thing. And she had like a, she told me, I have a gas mask, I have a water canteen, I have a chemical warfare suit. This guy gave me a helmet. I got binoculars, I got this, I got flashlights, I got, I got boots, I got everything. I got a gun holster, I got a tent, I got this, I got that. I'm like, Wow. How was Puerto Rico? I got this and I got that and I got this and I got that. And then we get back to Bridgeport. I can't wait to get to church. She just got back home. She woke up at like, what, four in the morning, three in the morning to catch a flight? It's, she missed her first flight. Turned out to be a blessing. She didn't have no layover in Florida. She came straight to, to, to New York. Got back three hours earlier. Called me at like five in the morning. I'm going to come early. How many? Three hours. <laughs> I had gone to bed at like five, too. I was so, so upset. <laughs> no, that was a liar. Christina's downstairs at 8 o'clock. Gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go. <laughs> Banging on the door. They didn't let her in until 820. I felt bad. I had locked the door. I had locked the door. And um, they didn't have the remote, whatever. And uh, she's knocking on the door. She was freezing outside, I guess. I'm so sorry. But the fact that Rosa, right when she, she came back to Bridgeport, she went to the church. Because that was what was important to her. Even last night, some hyper young lady calls me and says, I have the greatest idea for the, for, the, for the boards out in the church. And if you haven't seen, by the restrooms, we have those information boards there. And Lori hooked it up last, you know, hooked up this morning. And she was so hyper about doing it for last night on her own leisure time. I tell you that when you, when you find a place in your church where you belong, when you find a place where you belong to something, when you have a sense of ownership to something, everybody here has a job, and I bet you there's a place in your job, or hopefully there is, well, you don't want nobody touching it because that's your thing. For you, I mean, I want your job. I mean, <laughs> he works at the hospital for like a half a century. And he does stuff like change light bulbs. He gets paid good. And make change, he, and he watches TV all day over there. How do I know? Because when I was little and I had no cable because I was dirt poor, he would take, and he would take us over there to watch the UConn game. And dad would drop us off, and we would go to the hospital and spend the whole evening at the hospital watching UConn Huskies because he was a major fan. We would watch the football games. I remember we watched one of the Bulls games at the, at the, over there. We watched a bunch of stuff over there, man. That was the kind of person he was. I want that job. Can't have it, man. Every, tw- every, every three hours, hey, Danny, we need the light bulb changed. Okay, right there. He just goes, come back five minutes later. He's done for the day. That was it. That was the only call. <laughs> Sometimes none. <laughs> oh! 
getting paid schnoodles, and he just over there, I want that job. No wonder why he's so happy to go to work. It's like time off. It's like getting paid to, getting paid to recline. Amen. I always wondered why he was so dedicated to his job. I cannot miss work. Translation, translation. I don't have cable at home. I'm going to go watch the football game. Giants play at four. Sunday night football. He, he ain't playing. He comes home from work at 11 o'clock. He's not tired. He wants to play football. He's all happy now. He just watched 20 games. I think you watch more football than me at work, isn't it, right? It's, he surprises you. We've had, we've had so many. We're going to have many more good times. But I had to take a Sunday and just let you know that we say thank you. A Sunday where we say, you know, everything you've built is, is manifesting in my life. I remember the first time I came and prayed at the altar after you built it, and it was a very emotional time for me because I was, I was thanking God for, for bringing back, you know, bringing us to a point where we can get back to where we were. And I remember I cried very hard. I remember the first church service in this place we had. We didn't even have an altar. We had a bunch of messed up computer chairs. We had no chairs. You remember that? We were just sitting around whatever chair we could find. Some of us were sitting on milk crates. Some of us were sitting on whatever we could find. Some of the kids were sitting on a desk, and they got yelled at, like, where else am I going to sit on? The floor is all dirty. And there was no altar. We just had just one of these little music stand podiums, and that was all we had. That was all we had. But we had something greater than, than what we needed, and that was you. We had someone who had the, had the thought process to be able to build whatever God needed in this place. And even, even as, we look, as we look at your youngest son, Elias, God has given you a replacement. You said this morning, nobody can tape like me. You better teach him. <laughs> you better teach him. But as God, you know, God gives, you know, as, as I became a pastor because of my father, so shall he have the same ministry as you have. Of reaching out to people. You know, it's not that you're going to come up here and preach. If you want to, the mic is yours. But that your testimony, the life you've lived and the life you do live, let it be better than anybody else's so that, that can speak forth life by itself. Yeah. That, you, that you absorb yourself in the word of God, that the word of God is shown forth through you. That you may, some, yes, you have a little accent, who cares? Yes, you know, you, you sound funny sometimes, who cares? As long as you know what you're saying. Let me tell you something, when it comes time, if you suit your life in this, when it comes time, the words are going to flow. The, God's going to give you all the words you need to say. And I'm not expecting you not to have an accent, but... I remember when he used to get mad at us. Huh? Not the Charleston Chew. I said that enough. Charleston Chew. He doesn't like when we make fun of his accent. I'll let you know right now. He doesn't like that. That's something that he doesn't like. He's taking offense to that in later years. I'm sorry. But just something about chocolate chip cookies that cannot get past. <laughs> chocolate chip cookies. I want a chocolate chip cookie. And um, he cannot pronounce the ch. And when he used to get mad at his kids, Rebecca, Daniela, Elias, let me Rachel, come here. He would name all their names before he got the right kid. You need to, yeah, you need to use us too. I remember one day, it was the Christmas Eve at my house. I told this story last night. Somebody seems to forget it. I, this, he would get, Daniel would get upset at little stuff back then, and it was funny. I used to, I look back now. Back then, I thought it was horrible. But, and uh, you walked into the house of your family. There was a bunch of, we had this little love seat when you first walked into the door. And, and Daniel sat down. He took his coat off, and he was mad about something. I guess you got into an argument with him about something. And he was maybe about eight or nine years old, maybe ten. And he sits down on the couch and sheesh. That's all he said, sheesh. Daniel comes in, you, you sheesh me? You don't sheesh me? I, nobody sheeshes me. And he just started beating him down on the couch. Christmas Eve just blow, blow. It's like, don't sheesh me. Walks away talking about sheesh. It was like, without fail, I remember one time, Daniel and Elias were arguing over a spoon. And they were arguing over whose spoon it was. And we, when we were kids, and I, I ain't going to say we, there were some funny arguments back then. Over, you argue over dumb stuff. And, and they ended up, Daniel picked up Elias and just slammed him against the wall. Elias was like little. You think he's little now? He was like, he, he was little. He was, there was just, just no other word, but little. And he picked him up and just threw him halfway across the room. You remember that? 
And your mom locked you in your room. Daddy found you. <laughs> Daniel came home from work. They didn't ask no questions. Went to that room and just went to work. <laughs> Elias told me a story last night. They told me not to tell it, but I thought it was pretty funny. I guess when Elias was a kid, and he pulled some of your leg hairs out, and you went to punch him, <laughs> and you made a hole in the wall. <laughs> you remember that? There's something you need to know about my uncle. He's a picky eater. My father told me one of the funniest stories I've ever heard in my life. The stupidest thing. <laughs> Got me drinking water. I feel like a comic here. Hold on. All right, here, here's the story. His family comes to my house for dinner. A very, we used to do that all the time. We were inseparable, our families. We were always together, always hanging out. And um, I don't know if he wanted to hang out with us, but he did. He was there. <laughs> and him and my father were cool. They were good friends. And, and my father made some mashed potatoes. And he had parsley in the mashed potatoes. And uh, Daniel's sitting at the table, the dinner table. And he's a picky eater. I, I, I don't know what this is, and I want to eat it. I don't, I don't eat this stuff. Well, what is it, Daniel? I don't know, but I don't eat it. He's sitting there. I don't want that. I don't want it. It's parsley. I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. And they guys, they weren't getting, they weren't arguing with him. They were laughing at him because he was being so picky. So they go, he goes, well, I get something to eat. So he goes to the kitchen and gets a Raymond soup, a Raymond noodle soup. Type of, a Lipton noodle soup he got. And he commenced to make the Lipton noodle soup. And I'm not sure if it was his wife at the time or my father ran up behind him and pointed out that there was parsley in the Lipton soup. <laughs> All up in it. But I eat this kind of parsley. This one I eat, that one I don't. That's Daniel for you. <laughs> I mean, you remember that? I remember dad always told me that story. They, they used to crack up about it. I remember, I remember the day we were at your, um, I was there that day. We were at your house. And you guys were playing, I don't know what you were playing. You were playing some kind of game with my parents and, and around the table. And my father broke your chair. You remember that? And the chair broke, and you laughed so hard. You were uncontrollable on the floor. You remember that? He was just like, are you okay? <laughs> him and my father were laughing for like, for God knows how long. I got to put extra support in that chair. <laughs> you were laughing hard. <laughs> he has a fun laughing. We had good times with you, and I want to thank you. I just had to take a day to, to thank you and to remember that. Never forget Hebrews chapter 3, verse 4, that he who built the house has greater honor than the house itself. Amen. Today, I told you last week, we're taking a, a special guest offering, and that offering's for Daniel. Amen? Amen. As, um, as he's, let me tell you something about him. As he's, you know, done all these things for the past, even in this building, we've been here about five to six years now. Coming up on six years, we've been in this building, which is, seems so quick. We've been here about six years now and realized that when he spent his time here, we've never, ever paid him. He's never, ever requested payment. I remember even when he used to work at dad's house, you never wanted payment. But I want to be able to give you an offering myself today. And I want, you can sow into his life and be a blessing to him financially. And we're not a church that talks about money. We never talk about, you know, what you can give to someone. We never talk about give me your money. We're not about that. We don't care about that. We take your offer. You want to pay your tithes, go ahead. You don't. You and God or whatever. But I want you to just, to, if you can, if you can afford it, if you can give this man a special offering today. Something that says, I've come to this altar. My life has been changed. Thank you. Simple as that. Thank you. Stand with us. We're about to pray right now. Lori does have a card for you. Please don't leave after service. We do have a cake for him in back. I'd like for you to join us in eating some cake and stuff like that. Amen. Amen. He's celebrating his birthday early. Amen. Amen. He'll be 58 years old. Praise God. Hey. 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 Well, I don't even know what you just said. Haste for horses. Come on. <laughs> 48. Amen. Come on, let's all extend our hands towards Daniel. If I can get my core leadership, if we can just come up and Deanna, Carmen, I don't know, Carmen's not even here. Lord have mercy, Rosa. And we're just going to pray over him right now that, um, that God would bless him as he's blessed us. And that God would move in his life as he's moved in our life because of the things and the sacrifices he's made. Amen. amen. Now, don't let me pray by myself. Somebody pray with me. Amen. amen. Don't cry. <laughs> we love you, man. 
Father God, we come before you right now, God, and I lift up to you right now, this servant, God, this humble person before us, God. God, I ask you right now, I pray that this year be a breakout year for him, God. I ask you right now, God, that you would cancel all his debts, Father God, that he would become debt-free this year, God. God, I speak a life, a blessing, and a financial breakthrough in his life, God. I speak forth for spiritual growth into his heart, God. I speak forth, God, that you shall bring mighty things to pass in his life this year, God. I ask you, God, right now, that you will lift up his, his situation before you, God, that you will put it before you, God, and you will resolve everything that his heart desires, Father God. God, I ask you right now, God, for the things that he wants, God. I ask you, God, to open his eyes, Father God, to bring him back to his first love, God. I ask you to open his heart right now, God. I, I put my hand over his belly, God, that your word will flow from his belly like a river of living water, God. We come before you, God, and we lift up this man to you, God, and we ask you, Father God, to honor him, God. God, we ask you to honor his sacrifice to GBA, God. We ask you to honor his sacrifice to the leadership, God. And in this day, Father God, this moment, God, that he knows that we love him, God, that we care about him, God, we thank him, God. And I ask you, Father God, that you can, you can bless him for the God. Yeah. In the mighty name of Jesus, the people of God say, Amen. Amen.